and welcome to Parallel, a tech podcast with accessibility sprinkles. I'm Shelley Brisbane, your host. Welcome to the post WWDC keynote edition of the show. Yes, that's two Apple-focused shows in a row, but it's that time of year. Today, we're going to talk about what Apple announced at the keynote, some of the things that we've heard since then. I should say, as we begin, that we were recording the night of the keynote, so I'm sure there's more to come as the event continues over the course of the week. But I have two great guests with me tonight to help me wrap up the keynote. Uh, First and foremost, it is Allison Sheridan, the queen of the Podfeet Network, host of NoSilicast and Chit Chat Across the Pond. Allison, welcome back to Parallel. Hi, Shelley. It's been a while. We uh, need to do this more often. Nice to talk to you. We absolutely do. It's great to talk to you. Also, somebody I talked to uh, very recently, it's uh, the co-host along with me and some other folks of the Mac Accessibility Roundtable podcast. It's Darcy Bernard. Hey, Darcy. Hi. Good to be back on Parallel with you again. It's ages since we've talked, like, you know, three or four hours, something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Well, um, I thought what we would do is take a look at what Apple announced uh, at WWDC keynote today with some focus on accessibility. I want to hit the highlights instead of doing, like, a comprehensive discussion. But uh, I, I'm, I'm most curious to start from each of you. What are What's the, the biggest takeaway or the thing that you're most excited about that you learned at WWDC today? Well, I'm going to go first and say this was the least expensive WWDC I have ever attended. Uh, <laughs> I had uh, I had my credit card heated up to buy myself and my husband a uh, 14-inch MacBook Pro, so uh, that worked out for us, you know, from a financial standpoint. Yeah, zero hardware announcements today. Yeah, yeah, nothing, nothing. That was uh, that was a surprise. Certainly, were a lot more predictions that there would be uh, money to be spent today. How about you, Darcy? Um. Yeah, there was a lot. Um, they really announced a lot of things. And, um, you know, if if they are able to come through with all the things they announced, I think this this fall will be really interesting because there were a lot of a lot of great features announced today. Yeah, I feel like the summary, though, is that there are features for some, but not all, of the Apple operating systems. Obviously, there'll be updates for everything, but it really seemed to be focused on iPadOS and iOS. Not in that order. I should have said it the reverse, but you get the idea. With some Mac OS thrown in, maybe a little watch OS, no TV OS, and as we've already established, no hardware announcements. But still, it was a jam-packed keynote. And as I said to somebody earlier today, after the last Apple event where it was an hour on the dot, I think we kind of got spoiled because it was it was two hours full of stuff. And the, the iOS features, which, so let's, let's just start there. So iOS 15 was announced today. And a lot of the announcements were focused on apps. There's certainly uh, platforms, the kits, the health kits, the home kits got a lot of updates, but there were a lot of app dates, app updates. That's a new thing I'm just inventing right now. <laughs> That's a good word. Uh, uh, that, that got announced. And I, I guess the preeminent one, just from the number of changes, uh, was FaceTime. So, so what, was, what was everybody's take on so, uh, the FaceTime announcements I'm we got today? I'm so excited about uh, a couple of things in there. The idea of FaceTime links, being able to schedule calls that Android people and PC people can join via the web. That's fantastic. I think that's uh, that's really really good to make. I mean, I feel a little bit like maybe a year ago would have been a really good time to make these great adjustments to FaceTime. But uh, that and the voice isolation, prioritizing your voice. You know, that's something that, uh, that Microsoft Teams has been doing some really good work on. Um, that's fantastic. And SharePlay uh, as the third big hitter to me in that. 
uh, being able to watch TV shows together, you know, where we live, I'm lucky enough that we're coming out of the pandemic now so I can have friends over, but we've been using my Plex server with something called Watch Together. Uh, I think it's called the exact same thing where we can watch a movie on my Plex server together, but now you'll be able to do it from uh, from your iOS device. And I thought they said that was going to tvOS, so, and you said there was nothing for tvOS, so that's why I was kind I, of confused. I don't think they announced it specifically as a tvOS feature. Right. I think you're right about that. I think it will be on the Apple TV. So, but but they it was interesting that they focus it on on it as a FaceTime feature because FaceTime you know being native to iOS and we were talking uh, earlier today about how the audio focused features like voice oscillation and the reverse of that where you can actually pump up the ambient noise if you want to and the sort of spectrum where you can use spatial audio and FaceTime all of those are part of part and parcel of uh, FaceTime video because there's really no group. FaceTime audio. And, and a lot of us as fans of FaceTime audio are kind of like, hey, wait, could we have some of that, please? Yeah. Oh, I never thought about that. You can't do a three-way call in audio only. It has to you be cannot. video. No. Ah, I had never no. noticed that. Yeah, you're right. Well, you can merge calls. And you can call somebody on FaceTime audio and then merge in another person. Yeah, I've not I've not tried that. It, 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 the the, the, the FaceTime work. links thing is would be would be super great if you could do that uh, directly via FaceTime link, and you could uh, grab a couple of FaceTime audio people and another one, and you know whatever. But I agree with you about the links. I think that's great because it's it's kind of funny because they didn't really say okay, FaceTime is now far more cross platform than it was, but that's exactly what they were saying. Yeah, they can't initiate it, but we yeah. will allow them to come to our parties, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's but, what we uh, look at. It, yeah. But as somebody who is really not a fan of saying, okay, what kind of phone do you have? Because that's going to determine how we communicate with one another. I love the idea that if I'm initiating the call and I'm a FaceTime user, I can bring somebody else in uh, via the web, whether they're on a phone or whether they're on some other device if i if it's just easier for me to do that instead of negotiating well what should we use zoom or teams or whatever i wonder what would happen if uh like let's say darcy is on an iphone and i send her a link will it go to the web app or will it go to facetime it would i don't know pro- i assume it'd be smart it enough would to open facetime yeah i would hope yeah. i would i would hope so i mean i really would like if facetime is on your device, just the way if you use another kind of web link, it's, it asks you in iOS, do you want to use the app that's appropriate to that link? Yeah. I hope so. It, it does seem like Apple is really going after the Zoom slash Teams thing, which makes sense. And, and something you said, Allison, made me also sort of cop to the fact that it does feel like, as, as interesting as all these, up, all these updates, many of these updates are this year, it does feel like there's a little bit of catch-up going on. Like, there are a few <laughs> things where they could have done this a while ago. When we get to Siri a little bit later, it feels like that. And so, even though my overall thoughts about the day are really positive. If I think about them in isolation, I'm like, you know, you guys, you're, you're, you're playing catch up here. <laughs> I, as you know, as uh, right when the uh, everything went in the pooper, I tried using uh, multi-person FaceTime and it was terrible. I mean, it was a complete failure. It would be, you know, we'd have three people and any two could be talking to each other, but the other, there was never all three of us in the room at the same time. And, uh, you know, they stopped the floating around window that makes you barfy thing. And that was good, but that was about it. And so I gave up. I haven't tried it in a year and a half. So now they said you can have it in a grid. Yay. 
Come on. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be better. It's a good thing. It's all it in the is. right direction. Yeah. But geez, guys, that was that was all you could pull off a year and a half. It's true. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, messages, which I, I consider one of these one of these pretty updates, these cosmetic updates. You can have collages. There's more sharing made possible. But I still just remember, okay, there's a collage of pictures in, in messages. I don't send batches of photos to people uh, via that method. Uh, and you can also, I should, I should, what I do is I tend to filter to the thing that I noticed most, whether that's the uh, most significant thing or not. But uh, so you, you, you can create these uh, collages of photos that you can connect, that, that will be connected via machine learning to Apple Music. So essentially you have slideshows that the machine learning has decided are appropriate to the kind of uh, music and photos you have together, which is, it gives good demo, but I don't know that that's something I'd ever yeah, use. Yeah, that was under photos memories, I think. Uh, was when they talked about that in messages. What what I remember or thought was you know vaguely interesting was the idea that somebody you can see all the photos somebody shared with you if you were there would show up in for you on photos. And I'm really curious how it knows I was there when Shelly sends me a picture that she takes at uh, at the CSUN conference of the two of us you know getting crazy with our martinis like we do. How does it know that I was there? Right. I mean, I can see it comparing date and time, but that means it's going to have to dig pretty far into the meta. geolocation of, on where I was at the time that the EXIF data in that photo? That doesn't sound like creepy. an Apple thing. Right, right. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little creepy. I mean, did I mishear that? <laughs> Isn't that what they said it would do? I, I think you are probably right about that because actually we get access to more EXIF data, in fact, uh, in, in photos on, on phone. That, that's something that I saw after the, the keynote today. So... Presumably, you can do searches on that, or you can, you know, otherwise surface that more easily than you could otherwise. Darcy, what do you have any interest in any of these messages features? I mean, a little bit, I suppose. Like the idea that if someone sends you, it sounds like if someone sends you a link, maybe it shows up in Safari, and if someone sends you a um, something on Apple Music, there's a place for it in the Music app. I, I, I think that's kind of interesting. I don't know. Um, I guess time will tell as to how useful it all is, but um. I think the link they said goes to the news app. Oh, well, you know, okay. for you. Well, that's it's what's like, confusing what? to me because if it's a new, if it's an Apple News app, an Apple News link, that makes sense. But if I just send somebody a random link, whether it's a news story or not, is it going to take? that link to news if it was a browser link originally what's it going to do i don't because i'm yeah. not using news to read yeah, all a, that often i'm not a news user so i i kind of hope that's not maybe this the, is to try uh, to get us to maybe there's some options but we would never notice darcy right because it's over in for you and news yeah, and I mean, I get a lot of I get links from people in messages all the time that I want to save for later, and I've got my own little way of doing that. I either send it to Pocket or Voice Dream Reader or something. I'd be happy for it to put it in some place where I could then address it later. But for you in news is not my default place for that. Yeah, to be honest, um, I actually have stopped using messages as much as I can, and the and the things they could have done to bring me back would be I don't know have my messages actually show up in every place. And sync like <laughs> all the time, and to know who the people are. Like I, I am not joking. I just posted this to our my Slack community. A, a, a message from my husband where it goes, maybe Steve Sheridan. What do you mean, maybe? That's weird. Why do you not know? <laughs> I that? mean, he's in my address book as my husband. You know, it's. 
And it does this kind of crap all the time. I've got groups where it's like, doesn't show up in one and it shows up in the other. I can't search. It's a, I can't stand messages. I think it's a horrible I stopped app. using it. I use it for, uh, you know, one-to-one stuff. Yeah. Um, but I stopped using it for groups a long time ago because inevitably a group would split and then you'd have multiple yeah. instances of the same group. Oh yeah. And Bifurcated. It just, it's a mess. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah, I use one Telegram. One person jumps in or out of the group and it creates a new group and the whole thing. And Well, I think also because you've got, you, you can use your phone number and you can use your email address. And if, if somebody uses a different thing at some point, then. It's a full moon. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's just. You, it's you never really know actually with I. What just, do you use instead, Darcy? Um, well, I mean, for group stuff, I, I talk on Slack. I, I mostly, um, I mean, I do occasionally use messages for groups. I've just, I wouldn't want to have like long conversations there. Yeah. Um, yeah. but like for one-to-one, I'm fine with messages. There are other, uh, iOS app specific things. Notifications was one that is more general, uh, sort of fine tuning notifications, I guess, is one way to look at it. Uh, the, the whole, I think they call, well, Focus, I don't know if Focus is an app or just a feature within iOS, but the idea is you can create sets of behaviors that have to do with where you are, whether you're at work, what part of the day it is, whether it's your personal life. I'm not sure how that's all supposed to work. But does that seem like something that's interesting if they've done a good job with it? I'm looking forward to that because I think and they they did elaborate a little bit more in the State of the Union about this. And it sounds like you can make kind of custom focus activities and you can choose what kind of comes through during those activities. So I was thinking, um, you know, maybe something when I'm podcasting, I wouldn't mind seeing... um, messages from certain people like if, to let me know if they're going to make it or not or maybe certain tweets but I wouldn't want any other kinds of notifications so you could set up different situations where you know you don't necessarily want to just go full on do not disturb um but you might want you know kind of like a subset of your your notifications to come through and I, if it's if it's done well I can totally see using it especially because they said um, focus states should sync across all your devices because right now do not disturb doesn't always doesn't sync between your Mac and iOS devices. So I'm if it if it syncs between everything, I think that's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, of course it doesn't, Darcy. Why would they do that? That wouldn't be useful. Yeah. I the, yeah, they're only made by the same company. Why why would they possibly exactly the one that gets me? By the way, I have do not disturb on right now. But if one of my children or my husband messages me, calls me, does anything because they're on my favorites list, my phones will ring. So you'll hear it, and it happens all the time on on podcast to me. And so if I could set that as, no, I really mean do not disturb. Or Well, it sounds like they said there's, because they didn't announce some enhancements to do not disturb. Um, and where you can, people will be notified that you want to be in do not disturb or that you are and all that. And there are certain ways they can get through. I don't know if they text certain things, which is kind of interesting because I had thought about making something like that with shortcuts and automations where like if someone sends a certain phrase, then it lets them through. But if, if it does this by default, they don't have to, to bother with that now. Yeah, I think the answer to your question is yes. If they do this <laughs> well, that would be great. <laughs> right. I, my thing is I don't trust the machine learning part of it where it says, hey, we've noticed that and this is how we're going to behave because that almost never works for me. Whatever they've noticed 
is rarely right enough for me to rely on it. Even though I have a fairly regular schedule, I get up in the morning at the same time, I go and do roughly the same tasks from 7 a.m. to 2 p.m., and then I'm a fairly much a creature of habit. One could predict my life in such a way that features like this could be helpful, but iOS hasn't been that good at that. You know, I've actually started to have a lot of success with that lately. I was I was real dubious of it, and I didn't didn't notice it for a long time. But when I get up in the morning, I do uh, workouts with Fitness Plus and I use Apple Notes to keep notes on which workouts I've done that I thought were stupid and which ones I liked. And now when I when I swipe down from the middle of the screen, first thing in the morning, the first app that's there is Notes. At 9.30, I'm done and I go get Starbucks. When I swipe down from the center of the screen, Starbucks is now in the first uh, first poll position. After I'm done getting Starbucks, I'm waiting to see when my husband's coming home. The next thing that comes up for me is Find My. So it's absolutely learning my habits and knows what I'm doing. And it, and it just came up with a shortcut and said, hey, did you want to order your two uh, custom crafted cafe mochas today? And I, and I went, <laughs> no, no. And I ran away and I didn't do it. And then the next time I went, well, maybe I should see what happens if it does it. And I said, well, OK. And it ordered them for me and I didn't have to do anything. <laughs> so it's it's absolutely starting to work for me. But I, did, I didn't I, I think I didn't want to believe it would work. Yeah. I'm wanting it to because there are certain things like the first thing I need to do when I go to work is to log into a uh, a two two factor authentication tool and mm. I need to use the duo app and I want on my widget on my home screen I want that duo app to be sitting right there waiting for me and me not to have to go to the second screen of my homepage to find it and all sorts of things like that. Do you do you search to find it in the morning or when you go to do it or do you always navigate to it? Because I use search and that I might search. be part I of search. it. I search. Okay. But I just want it to, because sometimes it's, I get I get the idea that it can behave in a certain way because it will once and then <laughs> it won't do it again. I'm like, oh, good. It's 6.45 a.m. and you did what I wanted you to. If you could do that tomorrow and the nope. next day, that would also nope. be great. Nope. <laughs> but it does not. Well, let's talk about one uh, feature in iOS that got the accessibility part of the world pretty excited, and that is live text, where you can point your camera at an image and it will uh, identify the text, OCR the text, and in fact allow you to grab it and place it where you want to. And uh, my tweet today was, uh, yeah, you, you folks out there who, who don't have disabilities, you're probably going to like this, but for, for the rest of us, it's amazing. That's life changing. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. really really cool. Yeah. By the way, there's a there's a tool uh, you can get it in Setup. I don't know how much it is uh, standalone, but it's called Text Sniper, and it allows just you do a click and drag across any text on screen, and it turns it into real text. Like you know where they put yeah. stupid static images with text instead of right. making them accessible. You can just drag there across. There are a fair number of third-party oh, tools cool. that will do do it in different ways, uh, like Seeing AI and and other apps that where you, you can use the share sheet to send it to uh, some place where it can be turned into text. So it's one more step than one would like. Uh, but this, this looks... is great for on the fly. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, we have screen recognition and image recognition that came to VoiceOver in iOS 14, which are pretty great in terms of the concept of the app, but not necessarily great in implementation. So the question I think we have is, okay, is live text not only going to provide access to text in places where it wasn't before, but is it also going to do a better job than image recognition has done of recognizing text? They showed it in cursive, by the way. Yeah, I know. That was pretty what? interesting. So that's that's a higher degree of difficulty. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's pretty the, crazy. That's... That's, that's the Simone Biles that's of impressive. text recognition, right? 
Yeah, because but yeah, most uh, most of those text recognition apps, they're like, oh wait, I don't like that font, I can't handle it, or something <laughs> like that. But this is, yeah, this is a few steps beyond. So that's pretty exciting. And as I say, it's supposed to apply to Translate, and there are people who have issues sometimes with the level of, of ability of Apple Translate to work. But uh, this is potentially pretty darn exciting. And and uh, the, the joke, uh, Darcy lives in Canada, and so the joke always is, is whatever feature is coming to iOS, is Canada going to get it? And I heard at no point today did they say, coming later this year to Canada. So let's just assume that everything good is coming to Canada on first on the first day. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure it'll understand the accents, though. <laughs> no. No, probably not. Right. <laughs> This is a good way to transition into Siri, which, of course, is not iOS-specific, but I think probably most people are using Siri in an iOS uh, context. And I guess the biggest thing is that we now have on-device voice recognition and and activation of Siri, which they they plugged as a privacy feature, which I guess makes sense. Again, it feels like a couple years too late since there was all the, the... brouhaha about uh, audio recordings of Siri listenable by by people. But it also seems like a performance win and a win for those times when you're not connected to the internet. And hopefully, if the device is running and instead of having to go up to the server, maybe a few fewer misunderstandings with Siri. Hopefully. So I'm sorry to be a cranky pants, but um, I'm not doing my fangirl status very well. But on device stuff like this existed on my Nexus 7 in 2012. <laughs> it was you could do translate on the Nexus 7 without connecting to the internet. And I can't make a phone call to my daughter by saying hey hey yes lady call Lindsay if I don't have an internet connection. So like, yeah. really? Well, remember they actually did have um I think it came in when the 3GS came out. They did have a, a voice recognition thing that didn't use the internet, but it was voice terrible. Control. Yeah, it was. Voice well, control. it hardly did anything. It made phone yeah. calls and it could play a song, sort of. Sort of. You, you, you <laughs> like the wrong song. You didn't necessarily get the right phone number you wanted, but you got you got a phone number. Um, picky, picky. Yeah. <laughs> and it's worth pointing out that iOS 15 works all the way back to the iPhone 6S. So my curiosity will be, if you have a a legacy phone, shall we say, is your experience going to be hampered in any way? Either because the machine learning engine is not as lickety split or because the processor isn't. And I I have no way of knowing. But all of these updates, the macOS updates and the iOS updates, seem to be very device stable in terms of they haven't really dumped anybody overboard in terms of what devices support it. So I'm really curious, especially on the iOS side, what that's going to mean for performance. Yeah. I don't know whether the on-device Siri stuff will happen on those earlier phones or, I mean, I guess time will tell, but I liked, I kind of liked that demo though, because he was going through all the different, um, you know, he was asking Siri to do all kinds of stuff. And then he said, you know, turn on airplane mode. And then he did other stuff, obviously just showing like, oh, look, you don't need an internet connection for, for that. And if it does make it faster, then that's going to be good because I mean, how many times do you ask it for a simple thing? And it's like, hang on, I'm working on it. I'm still working on it. And eventually, I had I had to do that the other day when I just asked her for the time. I think there were like three, <laughs> hang on, I'm working on it before I got the time. So 
the one that gets me all the time is uh, I set reminders while I'm while I'm out on my runs, and I uh, I as I'm running, I'll be wanting to remember something I heard in a podcast, and so I'll say, "Hey, ass lady, remind me at seven a.m. tomorrow to blah blah blah," and she'll say, "Working on it." It's like. I just want you to scribble a note down. This is not <laughs> right. You don't need to talk to to a satellite to give me that information. Well, yeah. I, I have that most on on my watch, and I'm usually asking for really simple stuff like I don't know, turn on the lamp. I mean, <laughs> the lamp is right over there. Could you just uh, anyway? We'll see if whether that's better or not. Let me tell you about another show on Relay FM, Focused. If you're struggling to focus, you're not alone. With all the distractions we have, focus seems like a superpower. But hosts David Sparks and Mike Schmitz can show you how. Go to relay.fm slash focused or search for focused wherever you get your podcasts. Some other um, iOS adjacent things that are going to be on other platforms, too. There are some updates to find my there. There are a few instances in the keynote where I think Apple had so much that they couldn't figure out where to put things. And so. Only in retrospect can you sort of look back and go, oh, this is what you were getting at. So the Find My improvements, they talked about it in terms of, uh, you know, AirTags and being easier to find because now you have some of the, uh, sorry, AirPods, AirPods Pro being easier to find and you having some of the same uh, functionality that, that AirTags do. But, and the, the uh, uh, what is it called? Not left, separation alerts, which I love the title, but those aren't just for AirTag, AirPod Pros. Those are for... Uh, device, any device that supports Find My, as far as I'm aware. So if you leave your phone or your watch or your AirPods behind, you can have it alert you, hey, you want to come back and get them, which I think is pretty cool. I didn't, you know, I didn't catch, I, I vaguely remember one really quick moment where they said, uh, and if you're away from your AirPods, it'll let you know. That's all I, I mean, I remember like that long of a sentence. I didn't re- remember them talking about it more extensively than that. That's cool. They didn't talk about it much more extensively. They they did show a screen of a proximity indicator so that you could find your way to your AirPods using Bluetooth once you get close. But then some of the post keynote coverage I read indicated that the separation thing does apply to other devices. So I don't think they okay. said that in the keynote. Okay. And again, that just seems weird to me. It seems like that's a kind of a nice little feature. Yeah. And that there there was some sort of organizational weirdness about where stuff was put. And I know that as somebody who was trying to take ridiculously detailed notes today. The thing that I liked about that... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Um, the thing that I was sort of impressed with with that with that AirPod demo and this is a small thing but I think a useful one you can now when you um want the AirPods to to beep so you can find them they can beep when they're in the case now um well, that's, that's what I was just I'm, about to ask any chance any like the find my thing works when it's closed yeah apparently it, apparently it's going to do that with the AirPods just with the not with the original AirPods but the AirPods Pro and and the Max okay um you can have beep, but the original ones, I guess not. <laughs> yeah, that kind of bums me out because I have the original ones, but my original ones are also kind of dying on the vine. So who knows what will happen? Maybe that's where my credit card will get hit is new AirPods, but it's probably going to be an iMac before then. Not because of anything that was announced today, just because of, you know, pent up desire for a new iMac. But um, anything else from iOS or, well, we didn't really talk about iPad OS, but anything else from the, the iOS part of the presentation that, that struck you or that you want to talk about? I was intrigued by identity cards, scanning your driver's license in, in mm. participating states. 
I mean, you can probably scan it in whether your state participates or not, but whether you can use it for anything is probably what they meant. I was just saying to Steve this morning, why do we not have electronic identity cards yet? I mean, come on. I would never carry my wallet again. I'd just be able to carry my phone because my phone opens my car. It opens my front door. If it can, can buy me drinks, I'm done. <laughs> I'm sort of wondering about the shuffle at the airport. So you have it as part of your wallet and you go up to TSA and you say, all right, well, here's my ID. They need two things from you. They need your boarding pass and they need your ID. So on your phone, do you need to swipe between the two in order for that to, to work for them? And apparently the language that, that Apple used was, Something to the effect of we're working with TSA, which told me, oh, TSA hasn't approved this yet, but Apple's working really hard and they think they're going to get it. Interesting. Huh. But I agree. I think it's interesting. And I also feel like there are going to be jurisdictions that are going to be more resistant to that. Of course, if they get TSA, that's going to be a lot of inertia in terms of U.S. adoption, whether the states individually like it or not. So so we'll yeah. see. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I just wonder what the shuffle of the airport is going to be. And uh, somebody on Maxisability earlier today was saying, well, you know, I wonder what that experience is going to be like for a voiceover user where I have to hold my phone now and I have to, you know, physically swipe. And is that going to take the phone off the scanner that the TSA person is using to get my boarding pass. So there'll, there'll have to be some well, sort of shuffle solution. sort of note. You, you use your watch for your boarding pass and you use your phone for your, uh, for your driver's license. Boom. There you go. Assuming you have all the gadgets, yes. <laughs> yes. Assuming you have a watch, right. So, so, yeah, so, well, the moral of all Apple presentations is you have to buy all the Apple things, which I suppose we could get to <laughs> when we talk about the, the home stuff where the uh, HomePod Mini is the conduit between Siri and your devices, whether it's an Apple TV or whether it's something else. And that was, that was interesting, that part of the presentation. They kept showing these little close-ups of the HomePod Mini. It's like that. It's, it's analogous to your A-Lady speaker or to your Google Home speaker now, even more so, except that it creates kind of a weird barrier between what you want to do with Siri and what you want to do with all these newly compatible third-party devices. you got to have that HomePod, HomePod Mini. So iPod OS got a few updates. Some of them are pretty obvious. The addition of widgets, which, hello, they should have had them last year. App Library for, but, for those but not who just like widgets. App Library. Widgets mixed around with your apps. Right, right. That, that's yeah, much bigger right. than just widgets, because just widgets don't do anything for me. But having them mixed around on the on the home screen might make them more interesting. Yeah, and especially for the iPad because the screen is so large. I mean, I'm sitting here looking at an iPad Pro, and I love the idea that I can just pop widgets into where wherever I want them. There's something new called the shelf that's connected to multitasking so that not only do they have a, a little menu that lets you get to the multitasking tools more easily, but there's a shelf that I guess makes it possible for you to create more multitasking sets, which I like because right now you just have the little dock icons that don't give you any indication that that's a multitasking set. Well, and they also showed it as they had an email held open in the little shelf thing. So it, was a, it wasn't just the app. It was a piece of the app, I think, was in that shelf, if I interpreted that correctly. Not sure. I'm. I was a little. It went by a little fast for me, so I missed yeah. some of that. But but I was yeah, also. I was excited by the having icons at the top of the screen for making multitask and uh, split view and slide over easier. Because I use those features all the time, all the time, all day, every day on my iPad, and it's. I've takes me two out of three times I get it right with the way the swipe gestures work. They just you know yep. having the thing that uh, that I want to have in um, slide over. 
I, I use Telegram all the time. Telegram, one third of the time, is actually available to me in Slideover. I have to go quit everything, launch it, go back in and do Slideover. Do you still come across apps that aren't even compatible with the multitasking on an iPad? Yeah, not as bad. Not as bad. It's, it's mostly there. Darcy, I forget. What's your iPad? Do you have one these days? I don't currently have one. So I'm just, um, but I, I um, one thing I did like the sound of, they said that um, if you're a keyboard user, you can now do all the multitasker, multitasking stuff with, with uh, keyboard shortcuts. So that's kind of cool. That's a big oh, deal. That's going to that. help voiceover Ooh. users too. Because voiceover, because it's a pain to do multitasking with voiceover. In any case, it's even more of a well, not even more of. It's a pain to explain it as well as I have to do every year. <laughs> I think those are the iPad OS highlights. So, uh, what about what about system wide quick note swiping uh, up from yes. the bottom right? I thought that was. Why don't you talk about that? I uh, I did not I did not focus on that particularly. So the idea was you swipe up from the bottom of the right, uh, bottom right corner. They showed you can use the pencil or you can type. And uh, wherever you are, that note is going to work uh, in conjunction with the, the app that you're using. So it can just go into notes. But uh, he demonstrated doing it from Safari and it added the link and his note. So now you go into notes and you've got the note that you wrote by hand scribbling with your pencil, but it's also attached to the link that you were looking at when you wrote the note. So I thought that was kind of interesting to be pulling those things together. Um and they said it was integrated in a, in third-party apps even. He gave an example of Yelp. He was able to swipe between all the different Yelp quick notes. It was it was it looked interesting. He said one thing that really confused me at the end. I wasn't sure what he meant. He said, uh, you'll be able to view these in Mac OS too and edit in iOS. That made me sound like it sounded mm. like you couldn't edit it in Mac OS. He didn't say you couldn't, but the way he said it, I inferred that. So I, I it'll be interesting to see. See, I and and maybe maybe I misheard, but I kind of heard, what I thought he said was that you could edit them in Mac OS and iOS, and you could or in, in iPad OS, and you could view them in in iOS. But maybe maybe I heard it wrong. Hmm. It was con- however he said it. It was kind of confusing. <laughs> if we can't replicate it, it was confusing. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I, I, I don't like having to parse those nitty gritty details, but sometimes you do. And they are very precise about the things they say typically. And so when Good they point. say something that's a weird construction like that, it's it's kind of worth paying attention to going forward. The other thing I thought yeah. was interesting in there was, I know I said I didn't want to talk to two hours, Shelly, and I keep no, stopping when you try to go on. Um, in <laughs> Swift, free. they said in Swift Playgrounds, you can build apps on iPad OS. Isn't that the first time you could build an app without a Mac? Yeah. It is. I mean, that's yeah. big. That's Some, going to be Somebody huge. on Twitter said, I never have to buy a Mac again, which may or may not be hyperbolic, but still something to think about. Yeah. Now, I don't know... If they, because they they were very, this was another thing where they were very specific about what they said. Um, I think you might only be able to build certain types of apps. Like I think you might only be able to do stuff with Swift UI. Yeah, um, you don't have Xcode. Yeah, I don't think so. But then there is that whole um, Xcode for the cloud, and I think there's there's some and of there's stuff some you can web do accessibility through Xcode Cloud is somewhat accessible on the web. I don't know what you can do, whether you can just check stuff in and out or how that works, but presumably that would give you access to some things on the iPad. And the Swift Playgrounds thing, you've never been able to completely build an app in Swift, no. Play- Swift Playgrounds, so you can do that as well as 
you know, go further with it. Uh, so that's interesting. So they've kind that, of done two things there that are really interesting. That I think is is going to be huge because just to start out, because um, I mean, I've done a little bit, I'm learning stuff, but but to start out, Xcode is very intimidating and um, Swift Playgrounds might be an easier easier way to start with, with stuff like that. And especially if you could actually build an app and they said, you know, you can build it and submit it to the app store and everything right on the iPad, so... One last thing. Somebody tweeted a, a screenshot and I stole it uh, and I've double checked it now um, online. This iPadOS is going to support devices that are eight years old. This goes back to the uh, iPad Air 2. Right. I mean, the, the iPad Mini 4, the iPad fifth generation. I mean, that that's bananas. That's it really is. Well, really and iOS good. is like I said, iOS is doing the same thing. They're going back to the 6S, which is pretty astonishing and i'm the the iphone yeah. touch seventh generation i mean well i guess that's i forget whether they're seventh or eighth now but uh, none of the new platforms seem to have abandoned any devices that's this fantastic year. maybe monterey abandoned a couple but it would be in the very they're going back to 2014 and 2015 max and remember this when you're arguing with your friends who say apple products are too expensive <laughs> right, no right, and then there was the weird thing that came out after the keynote that says if you don't want to go up to iphone OS 14, you don't have to. So, you know, Apple is, uh, is famous for bugging you. And that, that, that Apple likes that statistic about how many people have moved up to the next operating system, which I've always thought was kind of a dumb thing to be bragging about, especially since they're haranguing you constantly to update. And a lot of that is for reasons. A lot of their security fixes and the like. But I wonder if that means if they're going to give you a choice that their intention is to continue to provide whatever patches or fixes are needed in iOS 14. And I, I kind of wonder what the reason for that at this juncture is, especially since they didn't make a big you know, break between what devices are compatible with 14 and which ones are compatible with 15. Hmm. And, and maybe this is just me being pessimistic, but I wonder if that means, um, since they're not going to kind of keep bugging you to update, if that means some of the older devices may not work as well, you know? Um, oh, like, don't blame us. We didn't make you to go up. Yeah. <laughs> well, and Darcy, what what you said earlier about some features not being supported in, in older devices, it's entirely possible that, that that's the case. And they're not mm-hmm. going to highlight that in the keynote, both be, primarily because it's hard to explain, right? It's like, well, this yeah. feature works with this device and this. De- so I, I think if you were going to, if you have an iPhone 6S and an iPad Air 2 and you think you're going to have a profound iOS 15 experience, you're probably going to be mistaken. You're probably going to be missing some things. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the the privacy stuff. Apple, of course, did what it, it typically does and talked about their commitment to privacy, but they did have some, some specific stuff behind it, including this iCloud Plus feature, which essentially adds uh, a VPN, the ability to hide email addresses. Well, they don't call it a VPN, which is interesting. They call it iCloud Relay. Well, uh, but the can idea I talk is about the difference between it and a, and a VPN? So a, a VPN tunnels all of your traffic through a tunnel to a VPN server, and then it gets relayed from there to the to the internet. And the VPN server company, they know all of your traffic. They see all of that traffic, and it's all of your traffic. This is only Safari from what they demonstrated. And it was and so you're and it's going through two relays such that they don't know where you've been. Apple doesn't have the information either. So it is different, I think, than a VPN. Yeah, the Safari thing confused me because something they said, when I wrote down my notes, that's what I had written down as well. And I just tried to to read thereafter. And it seemed like there were a lot of 
people who were trying to say that it was all outbound traffic, but the keynote definitely did focus on Safari. So I'm a little unclear. Maybe Safari okay. and Mail, but I'm a little unclear about it because there's an awful lot I do on my phone that is not just in Safari. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I could have inferred incorrectly, but all they talked about was Safari. So you also have the ability to do hidden email addresses, the ability to uh, turn off the hidden pixel in emails that allows the sender of an email to know whether you've opened their email, which I like. Very simple thing, but that seems pretty straightforward. So I appreciated that at least in talking about privacy as their brand, which Apple always does, that they didn't pontificate about it. They actually gave you some stuff, and we may not understand exactly how much that stuff is, but it was features and not just platitudes. And they they introduced the on-device speech recognition under the privacy umbrella, and I think that's important. I think that is is good. They also talked about how you'll see a list of all the apps and who they've been talking to, and uh, my husband Steve named it, so you guys can use the two, app app privacy shaming is the list. (laughs) Well, I think that's going to be just a fun screen to be looking at. It's like, oh, look, that's what, I mean, I've, I've seen that with, with browser history and trace routes and things yeah. like that, where you're, you're surprised at where your traffic is going. And I think a lot of people will have that experience. A lot of people will pay no attention to it. But for a lot of people, that's going to be an interesting new batch of information that's going to get some, uh, some Apple competitors a little grumpy. Yeah. Well, I'm wondering, it better just say, no, we didn't send your traffic anywhere for the apps that I've told them not, they're not allowed to track, do cross-site tracking, right? cross-site yeah. tracking. Another feature which is is cross-platform before we get to Mac OS is this uh, universal control where you, this is what I love, I love and adore this thing, where you can use your same keyboard and cursor or tra- mouse cursor or trackpad, uh, go from Mac to iPad to even another Mac. And the demo was, you know, all specific about let's drag something from one place to the other and put the thing I've been working on on my iPad onto my Mac. I just want the seamless ability to use those peripheral devices without having to have multiple ones on my desk and be able to have it's it's really going to increase the uh, the efficacy of a cursor a pointer whether you're using a trackpad or whether you're using a mouse on an iPad and it means I don't have to have a bluetooth keyboard with two settings or I don't have to have god forbid two keyboards on my desktop I'm really wondering how that's going to work so um I mean everybody who's lost their cursor on screen raise your hand Right. Oh, yeah. I can't find my my cursor half the day anyway. Now I'm going to be moving it going, where the heck is it? And it's over here on my iPad. Right. Um, I assume there'll be a shake cursor kind of a thing. And that that's yeah. an accessibility thing, too, because right. I mean, I make my cursor on my Mac is giant so that I can find it. There's not there is flexibility. You can make your cursor bigger on your iPad. But relative to what I can make it on my Mac, I can't make it as big, but that's but a, you can it's change a fair its color. Point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And how well, will that doesn't typing? help me, but for a lot of people, it will help them. You can't change the shape. You can, like Windows has the ability to do all sorts of crazy stuff with cursors, like not only the size and the color, but the shape. Oh, like I've seen that. I saw somebody made theirs into a train. It was like a little train <laughs> emoji. It was so cool. I love it. Um, I love it. But, and, and I wonder if you've got one, if you got one uh, keyboard, how does it know which device to be typing on? I guess the one that has the cursor. I guess so. I mean, And how does it yeah. know which one has the cursor? Because I've got a cursor on the trackpad on my iPad uh, Pro's keyboard. Right. Yeah, that's going to be fun. I'm excited too. I think it could be I, I really wonder- interesting. I feel like that might be something that 
Maybe you have to have an iPad that is sidecar compatible, so maybe oh, that's I'm a sure. new device thing, or maybe I'm you have sure. to have. You certainly have to be running Monterey on your Mac. The other thing I think oh, it yeah. might require would be uh, a U1 chip because you notice mm-hmm. it knew the order of the screens. So because he yeah, dragged yeah, yeah. from the iPad on the right to the MacBook Pro on the middle and to the uh, iMac on the left, it knew where they were. So there was no setting up the screens with displays to say this one's on the right and this one's on the left. And it knew. Right. So it, the only way it'd be known, I think, would be the U1. Yeah, yeah. I love it, though. I, I hope it works as well as, as it seems to. I mean, you know, demos are always deceiving in that way. So uh, Mac OS Monterey, um, the, not a lot, not nearly as much focus on, on Monterey. We have the, the Safari updates with tab groupings and tab uh, uh, interface changes and the like. Is there anything in Monterey that, that struck either of you? Well, they showed uh, up on screen, they said, Shell Scripts, uh, Apple Script, and Automator have been the foundation of automation on the Mac, and we're bringing shortcuts to Mac OS, so, which, uh, you know, when uh, Matthew Casanelli and uh, uh, Rosemary Orchard must have lost their ever-living minds when they saw <laughs> that. Um, but then they said, don't worry, Automator, Automator will continue to be supported. They did not say Apple, uh, Apple Script will continue to be uh, supported. That was your question, right, Darcy? I think because they said autom- they said they they were talking about they're in a transition, and they said that you can import your automator workflows into shortcuts. Yeah, because so I suspect that autom it's sort of like the you know thirty two to sixty four bit transition. Like I think automator will be in Monterey, but will it be in next? Because the two things are so similar, they're, I can't imagine they're going to keep both of them, right? So, um. I, I think that that will go away. But yeah, I don't know about the Apple script stuff and all the, the shell script. Now, apparently you can, from what I've been reading, you can, um, in the shortcuts for Mac, you will be able to, you know, run Apple scripts and shell scripts and stuff like that. So um, so that's good. But I, I don't know. I don't know what this means. I mean, I can't imagine they're going to keep all of it. So we'll, we'll see over the next few years. I felt like they were signaling Automator is going away, but not immediately because you know how yeah. people get like something new comes along and you're all like but what about all my scripts and my thing and i think that was their reasonably good faith effort to say look shortcuts has to come to the mac people want it on the mac it's the modern automation interface now we have all these apps that run on both mac os and ios under m1 you got to move along and automator is something i mean a lot of people have legacy stuff in apple script and in automator sort of hiding under the hoods of what they do on the Mac. I have a couple of, I was thinking about that today. Like I'm not an Apple script developer, but there are Apple scripts that I use to do things. And I would be pretty unhappy if I literally couldn't run them. And I, I can't imagine that that's what's going to happen. Apple hasn't been developing Apple script as a language effectively, but they, they've continued to support it via Automator. And I don't know why you couldn't add support in shortcuts directly or indirectly. I, I think they will. And I, I hope because... Yeah, like I have a lot of um, services, like system services, yeah. and those those are automator things. So hopefully, you know, shortcuts will still enable you to use all your system services because I hate to give all those up. Yeah, I'm curious. I've been using uh, Keyboard Maestro more for my automation lately because automator seemed to, I just seem to run into walls pretty often with it. But then again, part of what I end up embedding is Apple Script. So 
Yeah. I use Keyboard Maestro and Text Expander for that sort of thing a lot. But that's it's like Darcy, I have services. I have things that I haven't even thought about in years, but that I <laughs> pull up every day. Like I have a, an automator, an, an Apple Script service that will uh, compile an EPUB version of my book and check it against the EPUB standard. And I just run Sweet. it every year. And I've had it for ages and I don't have to update it. I just move it from Mac to Mac. And I think there are a lot of things like that that count as plumbing and infrastructure for, for people and, and, you know, admittedly nerds uh, that have been based on AppleScript or ShellScript. And there are a lot of people who use Keyboard Maestro in conjunction with scripts, too. So what, what haven't we covered that is exciting for folks? I have one more accessibility feature that I forgot to talk about in, in terms of AirPods. But let me let you guys weigh in with, with features that, that we missed on any of these platforms. In terms of, uh, I'm going to use the word feature in air quotes, um, Safari, this whole distilled toolbar, and it's simpler and cleaner. It really looks like reduced usability in the, in the name of looking pretty to me. Um, one of the things, uh, I really, it's driving me nuts how many things you have to hover to achieve on macOS now. Things like uh, closing notifications, reminders, you have to hover to get to the close button. You have to hover to get to the proxy icon or click to get it to show up. Why is it not just there anymore? Yep. And they showed, it looked to me like those were, um, the, the extensions are now under a more button in the, uh, in the URL bar. Yeah, I was just about to comment on that. They talked about you can still get to it with the more button. I'm like, oh, well, that, oh, that okay, doesn't that's, seem like helpful. I don't want no. to. I want to <laughs> click a little button. I know what it right. looks like. It looks like this. I want to click it. Uh, tab I mean, Safari already has this minimalist interface. It, it does seem like it isn't necessary oh, or helpful to do more to that. It's going to really be way more gone you know like they they yep. showed that the whole tab was going to be the color of whatever the the tab was you know what with the website you were on on that tab um i don't know i'm i'm not a fan of that for accessibility reasons because if you have a website that has crazy bad contrast colors potentially if 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 it's based on the background color of the website and the website has terrible colors and i can think of a couple big websites that meet that criteria um, I'm not going to like it. Now, you could argue that if it's contrasting to the other tabs that I have open, maybe I'll be able to spot it, but I'm not going to necessarily be able to read the name of it or interact with it in the way I want to. So more, more transparency is not my friend in general. So, Yeah, I don't know whether it was more transparent or just more colors. Um, right. I don't know. I, well, here's one possible advantage. I find uh, macOS, it's very difficult to select a window on screen correctly because they all look alike. All the, you know, all the toolbars look exactly the same. So you got something behind something and you try to tap on it and you realize, no, I brought up notes instead of mail or whatever. It, it's very difficult to do that. You'll be able to tell your Safari window apart if that whole window is a different color. I guess so. I mean, maybe. Sure, why not? <laughs> I, I'm reaching. I'm reaching. I'm trying to <laughs> right, say something right, nice. Exactly. I'm afraid my fangirl uh, uh, badge is going to get taken away pretty soon forever. The end. That's of okay. I had uh, I had fanboys on last week, so okay, good. <laughs> fine. Okay, good. <laughs> the the one thing I was going to mention about AirPods is uh, this is an accessibility feature where it allows you to uh, focus the audio. I can't remember oh, the yeah. name of what what they called it because again, my notes are missing, uh, but. You can focus the audio, focus your audio attention, as it were, on the person in front of you. So you block out the ambient noise. And it's not, you know, an extension of live listen. It's a brand new feature. Conversation boost. 
conversation boost. Conversation boost. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. is which is a great thing, and I presume that there's probably because because you have the choice of doing focused audio where you don't hear any ambient noise versus hearing everything. There's probably a slider, so you can probably have some fun with figuring out how much noise you want in your environment. Yeah. yeah you, so, do you think it is going to be part of live listen? Because live listen is, uh, I, I doubt it. I bet I bet it's going to be a separate setting because I mean, yeah. I'm probably live listen will enable it, but you probably won't have to turn live listen on in order to use it. That's my guess. Yeah, because they're similar, but they're not exactly the same. Because live listen is, you know, the audio from your phone, and this I presume is is using the transparency mode on like the AirPods Pro and just altering it so it focuses on on the the voice. Right. That's, you know. Yeah, in live front of listen you. is using your your phone's microphone to transmit it to the AirPods. Oh, you're yeah. right. And this is using well, wait, what would this be using the the microphone? This is using the microphone from the AirPods themselves. Oh, from the AirPods yeah, you're Pro. right. You're right. That AirPods is a totally Pro. different thing. Huh. But I love the idea that you could create a custom environment for yourself based on either which provided the better sound to you or what environment you were in. That that seems pretty groovy. Yeah, you might be able to use them both simultaneously and, you know. Could be. Could be. Well, I want to thank you guys for joining me for this keynote wrap-up. There's a lot to come in the WWDC for the rest of the week. And because it's all virtual, it's available to anyone who wants to download the developer app and check out the presentations that Apple has all week. There are a lot of accessibility-focused ones, but there are a lot of just general interest ones, whether you're a developer and want to dive deep into the updates to Xcode and to Swift, or whether you're just a nerd who wants to figure out how the heck those Safari tabs are going to work. <laughs> I, I want to thank uh, my guests, Darcy Bernard and Allison Sheridan, for being with me. But first, I want to give them a chance to tell you where they can be found on the Internet. Darcy, how about you? Where can people find you? Okay. Um, you can find me at DHS Darcy on Twitter. And uh, you can also find me every two weeks on the Maccessibility podcast at maccessibility.net. Excellent. Allison, where are you on the internet? Well, as I like to say in my closing spam, everything good starts with podfeet.com. That's where you can find the No Silicast, a technology geek podcast with an ever so slight Apple bias, uh, Chit Chat Across the Pond Light, that's a conversation tech podcast, and Programming by Stealth, where we're learning to program from uh, Bart Bouchatz in an audio podcast, which surprisingly does work. And uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, you can find me at PodFeed. Excellent. You can follow this podcast at Parallel Pods on Twitter. Follow me personally on Twitter at Shelly, S-H-E-L-L-Y, where you can uh, uh, harass me gently or suggest <laughs> future guests for Parallel. You can subscribe to the show at relay.fm slash Parallel. And we'll be back in two weeks with something that's probably not related to Apple. Bye for now. <laughs>